Gail Urban said while browsing in a Christian bookstore one day, I discovered a shelf of reduced priced items. And she said among the items was a little figurine, a figurine of a man and woman, their heads lovingly tilted toward one another. And the inscription read, Happy 10th Anniversary. Now, in all honesty, this little figurine appeared to be in perfect condition, yet the tag said it was damaged. She said, examining it more closely, I found another tag underneath that read, Wife is coming unglued. (laughs) Ma'am, perhaps you're here today and you can relate to that. On the outside, everything looks fine, everything looks perfect, but if people could see on the inside, they would see the damage. Maybe you're like the author of this little poem. He didn't like my casserole, and he didn't like my cake. He said they didn't taste like ones his mother used to make. He didn't like the way I ironed shirts and trousers, too. He said it didn't look the way his mother used to do. So I questioned and I pondered, Wondering what I should do. Then I turned around and smacked him like his mother used to do. (laughs) Maybe you're at the smacking point this morning. I hope to in our few minutes together this morning to answer this question. What's a wife supposed to do? If you were with us us last week, you know that we preached a strong message uh, to the men, to we men. On what they're supposed to do. And if you missed it, it's up on the web. You can go get a copy of it, listen to it, download it, get somebody who knows how to do it for you if you can. But ideally, these two messages should be delivered and presented together. But I'm pretty certain you don't want to wait and uh, sit that long. So we've divided these messages and we're presenting them separately. But as we talk about this issue today, a very challenging issue for any minister of the gospel, I want to ask a favor of all the ladies today. I'm going to ask two favors from you, okay? Number one, don't tune me out. Okay, don't tune me out. And number two, don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) If you have problems, what we're going to talk about today, you take them to the master. uh, You take them to the author, God the Holy Spirit. And uh, if something I say is not in the word, that's one thing. But if I'm preaching to you the word today, and that's my desire, always hear uh, you uh, don't shoot the messenger. Uh, you take it to the Lord. So don't tune me out. And don't shoot the messenger. OK, this means yes, ladies. This means no. This means you're already nodding off. So don't tune me out. And don't shoot the messenger. OK, ladies. All right. Let's go to Ephesians chapter five and we'll read this passage again where it says in Ephesians five, twenty two wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, 
and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You probably already noticed if you read through that passage that God gives some key words uh, to the different members of the family. Uh, To the husband, the key word is love. To the wife, the key word is submit. And if we were to keep reading in chapter six, which we hope to do in the days to come as we continue our study, we find the key word for children is obey. Husbands love, wives submit, children obey. Now, we don't like to talk about the word submit. I mean, do we? We don't like the idea of submission. It almost seems like a dirty word. In verse 21, it says there, submitting to one another in the fear of God. But we kind of look at the word submit and we don't like it. It rubs us the wrong way. Here are some words we like. Rule. Conquer. Victor. But we don't like this word submit. But have you ever thought about that submission is everywhere? It begins early in life. We learn to submit to our parents. We learn, hopefully, to submit to teachers and the principal. And parents, the sooner you instill in your children the idea of submission, the better. And we find that as we grow through our lives, we don't outgrow submission. We submit to the boss at work. We submit to the government and the laws of our land. We submit to the Lord himself. Submission is everywhere. Submission is a part of life for every person. Let me ask you a question. If you're driving along in your car and you look in the rearview mirror and you see flashing blue lights, what do you do? Well, first of all, you pray. You say, Lord, please let that be Shane or Dorita back there. Just stopping me to say how see how I'm doing. You pray and then you begin to sweat. Cold beads of sweat pop out on your head and you begin to get nervous. And then what do you ultimately do? You ultimately find a place and you pull over. And what are you doing? You're submitting to that officer's authority. Why? Because that authority is given to that officer by the government and the government gets its authority from God himself. And so we find that submission is everywhere. We submit to authority all the time. So why is it we would struggle when God gives us an area in which we're to submit? Now, some ladies might be thinking today when they read this passage, this isn't fair. Why do I have to submit? But my husband doesn't have to submit. Well, you know what? You're wrong. He does have to submit. Put this uh, reference down in your margin. First Corinthians 11, three. And I want you to listen to it. First Corinthians 11, three. But I would want you to know that the head of every man The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. It's not the idea he gets off scot-free. In reality, more is said, as you read this passage, to the man, it seems, than the woman. And the man has a grave responsibility, an awesome responsibility before God, as we talked about last week. But then we find here that in this portion of Ephesians... We don't rip it from its context. We don't just take that one verse out and say, "Okay, here it is. No, we keep it in context. And we learn that the husband is to provide loving servant leadership. 
And then the wife is in the will of God towards the Lord. She is to submit to that loving leadership. So let's just ask some questions this morning. Submission. First of all, what does it mean? Ma'am, when you read that verse, why submit to your own husbands as to the Lord? What does that mean? What is God saying? Well, I think, first of all, to understand what it does mean, we need to talk about what it does not mean. Hear me well, it does not mean that you're inferior. It's not inferiority here. It does not mean that you're not as valuable as the man. It does not mean the man is better than you are. Jot these references down in your notes. Listen carefully. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Listen. Male and female, he created them in the image of God. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so we find that God created man and woman in his image. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. And then be sure to jot down this reference. Galatians 3, 28. Galatians 3.28. I want you to hear this carefully, beloved. Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hear that. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Submission does not mean, ma'am, that you are inferior. In fact, if we're honest today, you might be superior in many different ways. I ran across a list. It was a comparison that someone did between women and men. Let me share it with you. Women are honest, loyal and forgiving. They're smart, knowing that knowledge is power, but they still know how to use their softer side to make a point. Women want to be the best for their family, their friends and themselves. Their hearts break when a friend dies. They have sorrow at the loss of a family member, yet they are strong when they think there is no strength left. A woman can make a romantic evening unforgettable. Women come in all sizes and on shapes and colors. They live in homes, apartments and cabins. They drive, fly, walk, run or email you to show you how much they care about you. The heart of a woman is what makes the world spin. Women do more than just give birth. They bring joy and hope. They give compassion and ideals. They give moral support to their family and friends. And all they want back is a hug, a smile, and for you to do the same when you come in contact with them. That's the women. Now here's the list for the men. Men are good at lifting heavy stuff and sometimes killing spiders. The end. That's it. That was the entire list. Listen, submission in no way, shape or form means that you are inferior. You're one in Christ. You're created in the image of God. So what does it mean, preacher? What does it mean when God's word says that I, as a wife, am supposed to submit? Well, it's a military term. It's a military term that means to line up according to rank. To line up according to rank. In other words, to be under the authority of someone. To be under the authority of someone. Listen, you have in the army or in the armed forces a sergeant and a general. Now, just because one has a higher rank doesn't mean he's more valuable as far as a person. Doesn't mean the sergeant's lesser person than the general. It means there's a line of authority. And with the higher up the rank comes more responsibility. 
And so the man is here. He's uh, under Christ. He's the head of the wife. He bears much greater responsibility just as a general would above a sergeant. Someone is going to lead in your family. Somebody's going to be the leader. I guarantee it. Someone's going to lead. And God says, I want the husband to do it. This is likened to Christ and the church. Did you read? Listen to this verse again. First Corinthians 11, 3. I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. Now, listen to the last part of that verse, in case you didn't catch it a while ago. The head of Christ. The head of Christ is God. Now, Christ is God. Co-equal, co-eternal. And yet God, the son, Jesus Christ, submits to God, the father. That's mind blowing. I know. But we see it all throughout his earthly life, do we not? I come to do the will of the Father. Listen, you're equals as husband and wife, but someone must lead and someone must follow. As I told you last week, Adrian Rogers said it this way. Marriage is two equals who come together with different roles into a covenant. That's what it is. Two equals coming together with different roles. It's all about roles and responsibility coming together in a covenant. He said... Anything with no head is dead and anything with two heads is a freak. Somebody's going to lead. Somebody's going to be the head. Somebody's going to be the one who has the authority there, the ultimate authority. In other words, bears the ultimate responsibility. So what is it? What is submission? It means to line up according to rank, to be under the authority of someone. So here's the second question a wife might ask. Why should I do it? I mean, God says, "Okay, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord and the husband's head of the wife and so forth. Why in the world should I do that, preacher? I mean, this is 2010. Well, let me give you at least three reasons why you should do it. Number one, because it's commanded. And by the way, we could stop right there. God's word says it. That settles it. You know, the saying used to go. A lot of people said this way. God's word says it. I believe it. And that settles it. But that's not that's not the case. God's word says it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. It's commanded. God doesn't say here in his word, wives, if you feel like it, you submit. If you're having a good day, you submit. He doesn't even say if he's right. Maybe he's dumber than a rock. I don't know. Maybe you are much brighter in many areas. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Doesn't mean just blind obedience. You can still input and you can still do those things. But it means ultimately that he is responsible under God To be the leader of the home. Number two, the reason you should submit is because it's because of your love for the Lord. Notice the end of verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. You see, when you submit, you're not just submitting to your husband. Ultimately, you're submitting to the Lord Jesus, the Lord of glory, because God says, I want you to submit. And as you obey him, you honor him. And you please him. Number three, you should submit because it's God's will for your good and the good of your home. When God gives us commands to obey and instructions to follow, he does it because he loves us. Listen, I tell my boys a lot of things to do and not to do. And I do that because I love them. I do that because I want the best for them. I do that to protect them. You do the same. And our God and God, our Heavenly Father, does the same for us. Listen, he says, man, I want you to love your wife. 
He says, ma'am, I want you to submit to that loving leadership. And child, I want you to obey. And that will bring about a proper order and a God-honoring home. We know what it is. We know why you should do it. Now, thirdly, here's the real clincher. How do I do it? How does a wife submit to her husband? We'll talk about some of those issues that get a little bit gray here in a moment as well. Tom Constable mentions four areas or four responsibilities that a wife will have to do to submit. Number one, it begins with an attitude of entrusting yourself to God. It begins with an attitude of entrusting yourself to God. In other words, the focus of your life must be on Jesus Christ. And as you look at that verse and these verses here, it says, listen, Jesus wants you to submit to your husband as to the Lord. I'm going to entrust myself to God. I'm going to obey God as he's instructed me. And I'm going to trust him for the outcome. It it involves entrusting oneself to God. Secondly, it requires respectful behavior, respectful behavior. Jot this reference down. First Peter three, one and two. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that if even that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by. You say, wait a minute, preacher, I'm married to an unbeliever. My husband doesn't know the Lord. He doesn't know Jesus. Let's do that verse again. Wives, first Peter three, one and two wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won how by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. It's not about nagging your husband. Somebody said that nagging is similar to having a duck nibble you to death. Get that mind picture for a moment. And listen, if you're if you're married to an unsaved person, don't seek to win him by leaving gospel tracts in his underwear drawer. Don't nag him to death. You live a godly, chaste, holy life. You let him lead. You let him uh, love you. You let him uh, be the man that he needs to be there. And, And through your testimony, through your witness, through your love, through your prayer, pray that God will bring that man to realize his lost condition and turn to Christ. For those who are married to believers, ma'am, again, I say to you, you're to have respectful behavior according to the scripture. Third, submission means developing a godly character, a godly character. Put down this reference. First Peter three, three through five. First Peter three, three through five. Listen to the word. The word says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold. Or putting on fine apparel. It doesn't say you can't arrange your hair or wear gold or put on fine apparel. It just says don't let it be merely that. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle, listen, a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Ma'am, may I ask you, are you more concerned about the way you look? Than you are about how holy you are. God wants you to develop a godly character. Very clear in his word there. I believe you ought to do the very best you can. With your appearance. All of us should. But ultimately what's important is a godly life. And a godly character. If you're going to be godly. You're going to have to submit to your husband. Number four. Submission involves doing 
what is right. Now, here's where we get into an issue you might be wondering about. In other words, you don't have to submit if your husband's trying to lead you into sin, to lead you into immorality. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, it says there in the verse, what? It says in verse number 24, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. But wait a minute. Christ will never ask the church to do anything that's sinful or immoral or wrong. And if your husband tries to lead you into sin, a woman does not have to submit to that. You say, do you have scripture for that? Yeah, I think the principle there in Acts 5.29. Acts 5.29 says, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And I know sometimes that is the case, that a, a, a husband will try to get his wife to do things that are immoral, unethical, sinful. And may I say to you, dear lady, you do not have to submit in that. Now, you be loving. You be kind, but you just say, you know what? I cannot do that. That goes against God, his word that goes against the Lord Jesus. I want you to understand something today, ladies. You are God's gift to your husband. You are the one who completes him. You are to be a completer, not a competitor. May I speak for the men for a moment in saying, I don't know if you realize, ma'am, just how much. Your husband needs you. I don't know if you realize it. I want to get very practical for a few minutes today. And I want to share with you a formula. That you can put into practice beginning today. You say, what about my husband? Listen, we preached to him last week. Today's your day. I want to give you a formula called how to become a triple A lover. This is from Dale Burke's book, Different by Design. You say, well, what in the world does that mean? A triple A lover. Well, it stands for three words. All beginning with the letter A. Are you ready for them? Admiration. Appreciation. Affection. I'll say them again. Admiration. Appreciation. And affection. Burke says, ladies, men yearn for all three. And these are most potent when they're delivered together. Don't ask me to explain it, but men love to know someone thinks they are special. They do. Now, how does this play itself out? Well, he does something very interesting. Go to Proverbs chapter five. We're going to look at Proverbs five, six and seven for a few minutes. He illustrates this. You're not going to believe this. He illustrates this by using the seductress. In the book of Proverbs, the harlot. And he shows us from God's word how this plays out. Admiration, appreciation and affection. And I want to share it with you today. Proverbs chapter five will begin there. And I want you to write this down if you would. Number one, men are turned on by praise. Now, don't laugh at us and don't find fault in us. I'm just telling the truth. Men are turned on by praise. Proverbs chapter five. Remember, this is talking about the seductress, adultery, the harlot. Notice what she says in Proverbs five and verse three. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. Go to Proverbs seven twenty one. And I want you to notice what it says there with her enticing speech. She caused him to yield with her flattering lips. 
She seduced them. Men are turned on by praise. Now, I want to ask you a question, ma'am. Why do you verbally, do you verbally praise your husband? Do you verbally praise him? He needs that. And if he's not getting that from you, where is he getting it from? Men are turned on by praise. Number two, men appreciate attention to physical beauty. Men appreciate attention to physical beauty. That's why the Bible tells us men in Proverbs chapter six, verse 25, these words about the harlot, the adulteress, the seductress. Proverbs six twenty-five: do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. Wives, you already know this, but I'll state the obvious. Men are much more visual than you are. Much more visual than you are. When you take the time, what do we call it, to fix up. When you take the time to make yourself as beautiful as you can, that communicates volumes to your husband. You may not realize it, but it does. When you care for the physical, it communicates volumes to your husband, makes him know that you think he's important. You want him to look at you and think of you in such a way. Men appreciate attention to physical beauty. You don't have to be a supermodel. You don't have to be as thin as a pencil. None of that really matters. What matters is you're the best you can be for your husband. And that means volumes to him. Much more visual. Young ladies remind you of that. Maybe you're dating. Listen, practice modesty. Remember, guys are turned on by the visual. Don't lead them down a path of unclean thoughts. Practice modesty. Practice purity. Men appreciate the attention to physical beauty. Number three, men highly value physical affection. Men highly value physical affection. Proverbs 7, verse 18. We have here the harlot saying to this fellow, Proverbs 7, 18. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. Men highly value physical affection. Let me just state something. And we're not going to dwell here long, but sex is very important to men. Very important to men. They highly value that. I'm not going to camp there, but I'll just put that in, put it in your notes. Number four. And here's what you'd understand out of these. Men want to be wanted. Men want to be wanted. We're in that same chapter, chapter 7 of Proverbs, talking about the harlot. Now think about the harlot, the seductress. Look at the tactics they use. Look at how they appeal to man. Look at the warnings that God gives to, to men here. Proverbs seven fifteen. The Bible says there, the harlot says, So I came out to meet you, diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. Men want to be wanted. They want to know that you want them, that you really value them. <laughs> I've said it this way before, and I, I'll say it again. We have fragile egos, don't we, men? We want that ego coaxed, and we want it done by our spouse. 
as they value us, as they communicate to us in so many subtle ways. Listen, ladies, we're out of time, but God's word is clear. God's word says in Ephesians 5 and elsewhere, submit. It's a military term. It talks about authority, not inferiority. It says later on in that passage as a summary that you're to respect your husband. Now, here's the question. Ma'am, will you do it? Will you do it? Realize this is not so much about your husband as it is the Lord. Because if you do these things and you obey God, your husband reaps those benefits. This is God's will for you. This is God's best for you. I think Luther summed it up the best for men and women. I want to give you this quote and we're going to close. He said, let the wife make the husband glad to come home and let him make her sorry to see him leave. Let me say that again. Let the wife make the husband glad to come home and let him make her sorry to see him leave. Is that a picture of your home? Is that a picture of your family? Is that a picture of your life? Now, I said at the beginning of this message, and I say it again. Number one, I hope you didn't tune me out. And number two, don't shoot the messenger. If you've got some issues today, you need to bring them to the Lord. You say, God, teach me. God, show me. God, help me. I struggle in these areas. Don't get mad with me. Take that to the Lord and let him do a work in your life. And let you become the wife that he wants you to be. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And I appreciate your patience and attention today. Ma'am, do you know Jesus as your Savior? That's the beginning point. If you're going to be a godly wife, you must know God. Has there ever been a time in your life where you came and you realized you're a sinner, you're lost, you're undone. And then you realized Jesus is Savior, Lord. And you trusted him. You turned from your sin to Christ. If not... I pray today that you'll come in saving faith to know him. And then I wonder, ma'am, as we close this service, has God spoken to your heart? Has he shown you some areas in your life that are not where they ought to be? Will you take those to him and will you give those to him? And will you step forth from this place today saying, God being my helper, I'm going to do what God tells me to do as a wife. And I wonder today as we close, if maybe when we sing this invitation song in a moment, maybe you need to come and pray about some things today. If you need to be saved, you come. If you want to just come and kneel and pray about some things, you come. Maybe you're hearing your husband's not, you're burdened about him, and he needs the Lord. Why don't you come and cry out to God today to help you to be a right testimony that he might be saved. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for these couple of weeks so far in the series as we've examined the husband and the wife. Father, it's challenging. Give us your grace and your mercy. You show us clearly in that passage it's about being a spirit-filled believer. Work on the invitation, I pray, in the Savior's name. Amen.